It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ellie De La Cruz is being heralded as a game changer for the Cincinnati Reds, but is the fan base willing to hang on for his arrival? If you were to say what the Reds' goals are in 2023 and beyond, what would you say? We are going to discuss Ellie, the Reds' goals moving forward, and then put you in the driver's seat as we take your questions and comments on today's live Aloha Friday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Roll the intro, Jeffrey. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. Welcome in to this live edition of the Locked On Reds podcast on an Aloha Friday, just like Scott Campbell says, Aloha. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. This week, we have talked a lot about optimism for this Reds season in 2023 and what that looks like. And I think that there are some misconceptions and there are definitely some folks who don't agree, which I understand that, but there are some thoughts as to what optimism should actually look like for this team. And then there are some folks who aren't going to be optimistic until a certain thing happens. And we can discuss that here in a little bit, but there is a reason to be very optimistic about this team. We've given you a number of different reasons this week. And today we are going to focus on a guy who transcends uh, conversation when it comes to the future of the Cincinnati Reds, Steve. And that's where I want to start is with the dude who I firmly believe, and there's lots of different folks who prognosticate about prospects that believe he is super boom or bust, but if he hits that boom, he could be an absolute supernova star for the Cincinnati Reds, and that's Ellie De La Cruz. Well, Ellie's going to be awesome. And and before we dig too deep, I just want to say uh, kudos to you for managing to start uh, Cincinnati Reds <laughs> optimism crap storm in Cincinnati last week. Uh, I saw Mo Edgar got looped into this thing. I saw, you know, you were on you were on ESPN uh, 1530 preaching optimism. Uh, you know, good on you doubling down on that ridiculous 75 win total that you're that you're you're putting out there but if it were to happen jeff you're absolutely right that ellie de la cruz is going to be a big part of that reason because it will mean that uh that he has come up and he has done what he has done at every other level which is wait about a week and a half and then absolutely deliver now do i think that that's a realistic expectation for him probably not i mean uh, the major leagues are hard or else you and i would both be doing it so it, it's it's just a case of him coming up and making the adjustments necessary to hit big league pitching like he's been hitting the pitching at every other level. I'm not quite sure how long that'll take, but if he's able to do it fairly quickly, he really could make the impact to put this team from what I think is going to be a 64-65 win team and change that lineup enough and let them score enough runs that we could be talking about 70. I don't know if 75 is still a, a reasonable get, but you know, if all of the pieces fall into place and especially with Ellie, uh, 70 may be realistic. Well, and I look at Ellie De La Cruz and I say, if things work out, because you know me, I like to think about the optimistic side of things. I mean, 
heck everybody in the world has uh, at least in reds country has been having some fun with my optimistic taste this week but when it comes to ellie de la cruz if he does work out the middle of this order is Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. Jonathan India might be in the middle of the order. He might be at the top of the order. And you've got Ellie De La Cruz in there. You're probably talking about your top three hitters. And when you can nail down a third of a lineup in a year where, and we'll talk about this, what expectations should be like for the Reds uh, coming up in 2023, in a year where they're not expected to be a contending team, that is a huge goal here because we're still in a figure-it-out type deal with this roster and the way that he fits on this team is because the reds have had a need at shortstop i mean basically ever since zach cozart left uh they really haven't had anybody there they've had some nice fill-ins and and yes there's probably a couple of folks who are screaming kyle farmer but good lord i think he was playing d whenever they finally got around to playing him at shortstop so the plan a is Ellie De La Cruz, I think, at this point. I think that we would be surprised if Jose Barrero takes the reins at shortstop, but Ellie De La Cruz being what he is, the almost, and I feel like this term is a little bit overused in sports, but almost an athletic unicorn. He can do everything. Like, this is the kind of guy to be excited about, and he has generated as much hype, if not more hype, than Jay Bruce did. Let me ask you this when we talk about Ellie. Are we being are we being unfair to Ellie De La Cruz with the amount of expectation that we are putting on him? Because I said this, I said this all last year when it came to Hunter Green, that I felt like mm -hmm. we put a tremendous amount of pressure on him and really set the bar way too high for what he was going to be able to deliver. And, and as the season went along, obviously he got closer to that bar, but you know, meanwhile we spent the whole time saying, Oh, this is a little disappointing. He's not, you know, wherever we thought he was going to be, we being the fan base. And, uh, you know, ultimately he got there, but I think we, we overhyped oversold where he was going to be on day one. Uh, you know, and I think there's danger here in doing that with Ellie De La Cruz also, but I wonder, are we, are we putting too much, too much stock in what his impact will be uh, when he finally does get to the major leagues. I don't think so because this wasn't something that we really thrust on him. He snuck up on us. I mean, think about it. He was not even on the top 10 list two years ago. He was nowhere to be found. The Reds got him as an international prospect and they didn't even pay an amount of money that people like report. Like whenever Ellie De La Cruz was signed by the Reds, it wasn't a headline. Like nobody really announced it. Nobody really made a big deal about it. But now he has built himself into this player. He has created the hype for himself. This isn't something where we, I think, are overhyping what he has done. Because even when he got to double A, and, and you mentioned this just a moment ago, where it was like, okay, he had a week where he was just a guy on the roster for Chattanooga. And then he was player of the month in the Southern league for the month of August. So I, I think that he is a guy that whatever hype we put on him, he is going to reach that level. I think that he has the ability to meet expectations, no matter how high we might put them. And, and I know you're probably going to say, well, what if we expect him to hit a hundred home runs in a season? Well, I, I think that we have to at least put the human equation in here a little bit, but I think when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz saying 
that he is going to be a staple in the middle of the Reds order for many years, at least five or six years. Hopefully they sign him for more than that. I don't think that that is a unrealistic expectation at all. Probably not. And, and as far as the way the fan base is really reacting to him, you know, I talked about this a little bit when we sat down with Tyler Stevenson, uh, just the way fans treated Ellie De La Cruz at Reds Fest. It really, there were times, Jeff, and I think I said this to you while we were there in the middle of it, there were times it felt like we were in an old Beatles documentary with just the, <laughs> the, the masses of people like running behind him, trying to get to wherever he was going to be next. And I, I just, that just seems like a lot for a young kid that wasn't supposed to be much of anything uh, when he got his first uh, taste of, of professional baseball. Uh, so I hope, I hope, and and I'd like to dig into this a little bit, you know, maybe sometime down the road, but I hope that the Reds have somebody that's working with him to help him process the fame a little bit and yeah. to, to be able to, to manage all of the peripheral stuff that goes along with becoming a, a superstar overnight and that it doesn't, uh, that way it doesn't have the opportunity to derail him. It's intriguing to me because we've heard the broadcast team talk a lot about this last season where the philosophy of Nick Crawl and the philosophy of the development department is, you know, we want to, if they show they have the talent to get bumped up, no matter where they are in like the age of their career and stuff like that, we want them to get a taste of failure in the minor leagues before they get to the major leagues. But Ellie De La Cruz to the point that, I mean, I was looking at his statistics the other day, and I think the worst numbers that he had in any one season at any one level, I think at low A in uh, Daytona, he hit 269. Like, that's amazing. With Jonathan India, when he was in Daytona, was uh, there were a lot of questions about Jonathan India at that point because his numbers were not good. And he ended up being pretty solid, and, and we're hoping that he can continue to grow this season. But obviously, winning in Rookie of the Year, you look at those Daytona numbers now, and you're just like, well, that didn't mean anything. So what I see with Ellie De La Cruz is they may start him out at AAA this year, but if he really sets the world on fire in spring training, I think they will give him that shot early on in the season, maybe even on opening day, because if they are still not sold about Jose Barrero, and they don't really want to wait because, again, the whole thing, and we're going to talk about this in a minute when it comes to expectations with the Reds, is the the awful P word, patience. But <laughs> I don't know that the Reds have much more patience for Jose Barrero. And if Ellie De La Cruz forces the, uh, forces the issue here, I think he could be on the opening day roster. Well, one thing's for sure, Jeff. Uh, if he comes up and is the next great rookie phenom, uh, he's going to be a big reason why the Reds help you avoid having to buy steak dinners for all of your friends with your ridiculous 75 <laughs> win bet in 2023. Uh, coming up, the Reds have goals and we have expectations. The question is, what are the Reds goals and what exactly should our expectations be in 2023 and beyond? Uh, before we get to that, I want to take a serious moment here. You know, it's been the holiday seasons. New Year's is coming up. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think about calling for a ride, but you're, nah, I live nearby. I don't need to call anyone. I can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway, right? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance could go up. You could lose your license. You could lose your job. You could total your car. 
you could kill somebody. Everyone knows the risks surrounding drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to keep us safe to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, this is our final show of the week. Next week, we are going to continue to dig through uh, what to look forward to, I think, in 2023. Uh, and some of that will be based on our expectations, what we expect from the Reds, and uh, some of that will be based on the goals that the Reds have. And Jeff, I think that we probably have higher expectations for the reds and and when i say we i'm talking about the fan base not just me and you but we have higher expectations for the reds in 2023 than might be realistic based on the plan they're trying to roll out because i do believe that their goal if we're going to talk about the reds goals uh, in 2023 i think it's to get better lay the foundation to move forward with the ultimate goal to be win the world series uh, within the window they have set up with these young stud prospects but I think some of the fan base goals for 2023 is win a hundred games and go to the world series. And uh, those two, those two directions don't necessarily line up anywhere along the way as to how this is going to go. Well, I think it's important to remember Steve, by the way, you said last show of the week, this is our last show of the year. We're not doing any more shows this year. Oh my gosh, Jeff, you're one of those guys. <laughs> see you next, see you next year. See you next year. Yeah, no, see yeah, you next I, year. I am definitely one of those guys. Um, but when it comes to the Reds, like there's two ways you can build a winning baseball team. You can build it with money and you can build it with time. And the Reds have chosen time. And that's why everyone is so just over what the Reds are doing because they have already taken so much time to get to the point where they're like, okay, we now finally have a plan to figure out how to build a winning team. And, and Dick Williams, uh, I love what he tried to do. He tried to interject money into the plan and speed up the time. But the problem was he did not have the backing of ownership. And I understand there, there are a lot of folks out there that no matter what happens, no matter what Nick crawl does, especially when it comes to getting these young guys up here, when Ellie De La Cruz debuts, when we have debuts like Christian Encarnacion strand and Brandon Williamson and Levi stout, and these guys that are going to make it to the major leagues this year, who are going to be big parts of the reds future, or at least have a really uh, good chance to do that. There's still going to be people that are just like, oh, yeah, well, the Reds are going to stink as long as the owners who own them continue to own them. And I want everybody to understand that when it comes to the team on the field, this is Nick Crawl's plan. I believe that we have seen this offseason. We saw last year during the trade deadline that ownership has finally said, all right, enough. We're giving you a budget. You do you, Nick. Like, you got a plan. Go use that plan. Like, execute your plan and we're seeing that here which is why it's important to understand the goals and the expectations that Nick Crawl has for this franchise it's not about Bob and Phil as much as we want to you know get mad at Bob and, and the SOB son of Bob as you like to say 
Uh, it's not about them. It's about what Nick Crawl is doing with this team. And Nick Crawl has this team set up for success so long as they continue to hit the checkpoints on the plan. I think the disconnect, Jeff, is that people don't necessarily believe that it's possible to love the Reds and not love the owners, love the Reds and not love the front I, office. I mean, you can do both things. And and I get I get people's reluctance to go down to the ballpark and spend money and do things that they think may benefit uh, Bob Castellini and the SOB son of Bob, Phil Castellini. Uh, I think, you know, it, it comes to a personal, it's just a personal decision. We know of people and, and that have been pretty high profile in their absolute you know just blasting of the castellinis and they've put personal boycotts into effect and they're not going and they're not spending money and all those things i get people that want to do that and 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 i'm not going to tell you how to be a fan i'm not going to tell you how to to exercise your protest against this team but for me i'm not going to let that man and that family keep me from going down to the ballpark which is one of my favorite places in all of cincinnati and you know i flit around this whole country jeff and that's one of my favorite places in the whole country. Uh, so I'm not going to let him take that away from me. So for my expectations for the Reds, I'm going to go and, and enjoy whatever product it is on the field. If the Reds are bad and there's a, a better than an average chance that they will be bad, uh, I'm still going to enjoy watching the youngsters develop. I'm still going to enjoy what is probably Joey Votto's final year on this team. And I'm still going to enjoy seeing whatever uh, players come in on the visiting teams while I'm in town. And and that's worth going down to the ballpark. And if that means that Bob Castellini gets another dollar fifty in his pocket because I'm there, then oh, so be it. Uh, what are my, you buying for a dollar fifty of the ballpark? I'm not a whole lot, Jeff. <laughs> my uh, my expectations for this team are to to continue to develop that foundation and to to win sixty five games and maybe just maybe stumble their way into being in the conversation for the final wild card spot. What okay in all of sports, who are the only fans that like their owners? There is a correct answer to this. The Mets. The Mets. That's the it. Mets. That's the only <laughs> team. That's because Steve Cohen has decided that he has billions of dollars that he doesn't mind spending on a team to just have the most ridiculous payroll that anyone has ever seen in any sport. So when it comes to the whole idea of ownership and, and, and affecting your fandom. Like I get it. If you're going to let it, I'm not going to, and it's not going to be something like the only thing that I ever had a problem with, with the Castellinis was the evidence of meddling in how the team is run. Owners should not do that. Like there is no owner in any sport. And I know Jerry Jones, like basically runs the Dallas Cowboys. That shouldn't be the case. Like there are people that are smart with the sport that didn't get to where they are simply because they had enough money to buy the team. Like Nick Crawl has worked his way up. And I think that people like to discount that, but he has worked his way up from the bottom to where he is now as a general manager through major league baseball teams. And it's not just the reds. He's done it on other organizations. So I am excited to see how he can emulate this plan. And we're talking about goals. What are the reds goals when it comes to 2023? The reds are not setting goals for themselves to win a hundred games and win the World Series in 2023 because they know they have the guys that if those players develop, if L.A. De La Cruz develops, if CES, Christian Encarnacion Strand, develops, if Matt McClain develops, like all these different guys, if Spencer Steer turns out to be as good as we hope he can be, you're talking about a very complete ball club for at least five or six years. 
and, and you know, uh, looking at some other organizations that do this, like they, I, we talk about the Rays a lot. I want them to emulate the Guardians, what Cleveland does, because Cleveland does a fantastic job. And yes, they have Jose Ramirez, but the Reds had Joey Votto forever, and they just didn't build a good team around them because he didn't have a good plan. Now it looks like they've got that plan in place. And if they can have a star emerge like Tyler Stevenson or Jonathan India, and if they can build around them succinctly with mostly homegrown talent or, you know, prospects that they traded for that they developed in their farm system, and then they bring them up to the major leagues, and then they fill in the gaps here and there with guys like Will Myers and guys like Kurt Casale, then that is how this team is going to be successful. There's never going to be a situation where they're in a bidding war with Steve Cohen or they're in a bidding war with Hal Steinbrenner or they're in a bidding war with the, even with the Cubs. Like it's just not going to happen. No. Uh, in fact, I know, I think I said this during one of our shows last week, this week, uh, currently the Mets payroll this season is more than Bob Castellini's net worth. We are not getting into a bidding war no. with the New York Mets, but I think the it's important to just understand Jeff where this team is at and where they are going and to set our expectations accordingly. Exactly. And with expectations set, let's jump into some comments and some questions. Cause I've, I know that some folks are uh, asking some different stuff and talking about different. I think I saw something about Will Myers, which I would definitely want to touch on here in uh, just a moment. Uh, but <clears throat> sorry. You got all choked up over Will Myers. Throat. Yeah. Throat was going to dry. Yeah. Yeah. That take that I had about Will Myers being Nick Castellanos light. Um, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. want to thank everybody, though, for joining us here on this live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Remember, we're trying to do this each and every Friday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, trying to interact with you, talk Reds with you. If you got questions, you got comments about the Cincinnati Reds, definitely jump on here on YouTube and uh, leave us some comments and all that great stuff. So we're going to jump into that. I uh, wanted to let you know, in between shows, though, you can follow us on Twitter. We've got our twi Twitter handles right here on the screen. It's at Jeff Gar with three Fs. And if you saw in the comments earlier, there is a reason why there is a third F, um, but I'll let you uh, look through the comments to figure out why. And then also uh, you can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs, the three F chef. I should, I should do that. I like to cook every so often. I don't like to channel. clean up from cooking. That's your next yeah. YouTube channel idea YouTube, right there. Yeah. I'll do that. Um, but yeah, let's let's start with that. And I, I think I saw it. Let me see if I can. Looking for the Will Myers, the Will there. Myers comment. It started here. It started with what's the over under. Uh, Scott Campbell asked, what is the over under uh, 19.5 home runs for Will Myers in 2023? That's interesting. I think I will take the under, but only slightly. I think 18 home runs, but I, I think that he is a guy who is more of a line drive hitter, is more of a complete hitter. Like we've talked about him before. There's no splits with him. He's not bad against lefties, good against righties, or vice versa. He's he can hit fine against both. So I, I think that he is the kind of guy that can use all fields. And with the shift going away, he's gonna be able to kind of, you know. And, and being a right-handed hitter, he doesn't get affected by it that much. But I don't necessarily look at him as a pure home run hitter i think he's going to be an all-around solid dude i think and we'll talk about this more uh next week when we look at our ideal lineup for 2023 but i kind of think of him as like a fifth or a sixth hitter in this lineup right now 
Joseph Nelson thinks if he gets 500 at bats, he should be over 19 home runs. And I'll take that a step forward. I'll take the over as well, as long as Will Myers uh, play gets that many at bats, all of them for the Cincinnati Reds in 2023. Uh, if he plays the entire season with the Reds, you know, 81 games at Great American Ballpark, I think he can get 20. I think there's a good chance that he does. I don't necessarily know how much. Yes, and there's the reason for the third F. What's up, Faith? or Glenn, as I, as uh, some folks have called her. Um, but when you're talking about the over on home runs with him and, and his playing time in general and, and whether or not he's going to be traded, I think there's so many people that are worried that he's going to get traded. Like, I think that's part of the plan, but I don't necessarily know how much more he can improve his value from where it is to be like a crazy high prospect. Like, I think Brandon Drury did it because he's still a little bit earlier on in his career than where – will myers currently is mm -hmm. in his career so there's a possibility that he go he finishes the season with this team especially when you look at the fact that there really isn't anybody in the outfield unless they do move matt mcclain to center field or something like that but even then there's nobody that he's blocking so he could just be a stabilizing force on this roster for the entire season Ronnie Snyder checking in with some words of praise, Jeff, and I will I will take the pat on the back. He says, you guys do a great job keeping the Reds fans up to date Thanks, with all of the breaking Reds news. Also allowing Reds fans to chime in with questions and opinions. Thank you. No, thank you, Ronnie. We appreciate it. Uh, Dave Pemberton talking about expectations. Uh, Reds development uh, with your pitching core in green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Indian Stevenson start to show leadership and perform at an all-star level. Man, I hope that's true. Dave, I, I, I would love to see, you know, two or three reds in the all-star game in 2023. I think Tyler Stevenson, uh, as long as health doesn't become an issue, has every opportunity to be a member of the all-star team. Jonathan India in a rebound year. If, if he's more rookie of the year, India, uh, than he was injured India. Uh, he also has an opportunity. And I think Lodolo and green uh, to are another uh, potential all-star candidates uh, as long as they pick up right where they left off. So uh, there's at least four guys on this team that could be all-star level players. There's every so often that I, I kind of get disappointed in myself for deleting a note. I had a note that there was a stretch of games that I think was like 25 or 30 games last year in between June and July for Jonathan India, where he hit over 300, got on base over 40% of the time and slugged near 500. Like those were the numbers that were like, oh my gosh, this is elite India. So he still has that in him. It's just he dealt with so many injuries last year that that continued to just get sapped away from him. The opportunity to flourish that we all thought he was going to have was absolutely hampered by the number of crazy injuries that he had. Like, I'll, I'll continue to say this. I never heard of compartment syndrome in my life until Jonathan India got it in the, uh, the Field of Dreams game and couldn't fly back from Iowa. Like, what on earth happened to that dude? He just had the roughest luck. I, I, I think of him and, and Stevenson both as just having the roughest luck last year. Yeah, because, I mean, there's nothing that could have really been done to prevent that clavicle break. I mean, Tyler Stevenson had the equipment on. It wasn't like he could set up right. differently behind the plate. It just was one of those things. Jonathan India, you know, the fact that he tried to play through that was pretty amazing. I, I, I credit him for his willingness to, to try and grit it out. And then I fault the reds for letting him do it. Like Jonathan should have been lobbying to play that whole time. And the red should have been going, mm -mm, no, we want you healthy for the long term. Uh, we want to get you uh, dialed in. Right. So 
I, I think there was an opportunity there for Jonathan India to still be gritty and be a ball player, uh, but for the Reds to protect him from himself. Now, I knew we were going to get to this next one, Jeff, uh, given the week that we had on Twitter and, and Branch did not disappoint. Hey, Branch, how you doing? Thanks for watching today. He just wants to give Barrero time. And there was a whole explosive Twitter, Twitter thread about this earlier in the week. Uh, basically because I guess we sounded like we've completely given up on Jose Barrero. And I know that I kind of sounded that way a little bit, but I'm going to double down on it uh, here in a second after you take your turn. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that, you know, the Reds are better off if Barrero figures it out. Like if Barrero can figure out and, and make no mistake about it, the, the plate, the struggles at the plate last year were concerning, but there were also struggles in the field. Like what he did, in the batter's box seemed to affect him at shortstop as well. There were some routine plays that he would boot uh, different balls that just, you know, slid under his glove as he tried to make a play or bad throws that he had. And it, it was so very uncharacteristic from what we saw, even after he had gotten called up, because at first when he was called up from the minor leagues, he was a really good fielder. And we're like, okay, we can count on the glove. We just got to worry about the bat now. And then last year, it seemed like it affected everything. So, I am cautiously optimistic thinking about him, but my expectations are low. I don't expect him to pan out at all. And I appreciate the fact that there are those who do, but I think that the Reds are definitely, I think the jury is still out on him, but they're leaning toward, all right, it's time to see who's next. You know, I think he's still under 300 at bats. Yeah, thus yeah. far in his in his major league career. So I can understand why guys like Branch think we're giving up prematurely want to see more time from him. Uh, I want to see more time from him, too, but I need for him to maximize uh, what he produces when he gets that time. Uh, he's going to get some playing time early in the year. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain of that because unless Ellie De La Cruz just shocks the world in spring training, he probably goes down to Goodyear or goes down to Goodyear, goes down to Louisville after Goodyear. Uh, through mid May, I think like the Memorial day weekend is probably the sweet spot for bringing him up to start the season. So that gives Jose Barrero two months to establish himself. Now, when Ellie does come up, then you have a great problem in who moves to third and who stays at shortstop. But, right. uh, you know, Jose Burrow has to seize upon that time and actually deliver. And I know that he's been working hard in the offseason and he's changed his stances and he's done things. But that's minor league ball. Uh, we've had a tremendous run in Cincinnati of guys that were awesome 4A players. Uh, and, and I'm done with that. I'm not going to get excited until he goes out in the major leagues and delivers, you know, a... 115 OPS plus. I mean, he doesn't have to be a superstar, but he needs to be 15% better than league average for me to want to continue to run him out there uh, all season long. Yeah. And, and let me ask you this because I was talking with somebody uh, who covers another ball club and uh, they had mentioned that their, their ball club, which happened to be the Kansas city Royals had a philosophy about 1000 at bats. They don't know anything about a player. And this is the Royals philosophy that they don't know anything about a player until they've had a thousand at bats. That seems like a lot. And I understand, you know, we're talking about, well, that's, he's had that's less than two seasons. That's yeah. two seasons. Like 
and, and it sounds like the way that some other teams operate the Royals and there's probably other teams that do this is they almost give them two full seasons before they make a full decision on a guy like I know that we saw that a lot with Aristides Kino. It felt like he had been given way too many opportunities. But do you think, because I don't think, but do you think that the Reds would give Jose Barrero a thousand at bats before they make a decision on him? Well, he's at plus minus 300 right now. So that's 700 more at bats. That's a season that's and a half season of and a half. season and a half of full time play. A no. There, unless he unless he starts to deliver, he's not going to get that many at bats because these yeah. young guys coming up need some place to play and they need to develop also. So as guys come up, uh, it's going to become more and more difficult for Barrero to get playing time unless he's delivering. And that, Jeff, is probably where we should uh, take a little break for the audio feed. Listen, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't go anywhere. We're going to continue right on after we do a wrap for the audio feed. For the audio feed listeners, coming in your audio feeds will be a bonus episode uh, with the continuation of this Q&A as we take your questions and comments on YouTube on this live Aloha Friday edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Go ahead and wrap us up on the audio feeds, Jeff. Yep, that will wrap us up, Steve. Thanks for uh, listening here. Make sure you follow the podcast on all your favorite platforms. Make sure that uh, you also check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as they have you covered for the biggest news and the biggest game recaps and all of your uh, favorite reactions, including the take of the day. That's Locked On Sports Today, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms, and just like Locked On Reds, it's produced by me. We will be Locked On Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.